Good morning and welcome to Five Alive Podcast. It is the 6th of September, which means it is... Da, 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 da. Happy birthday, Xavier! Xavier's Happy birthday! So, we are, uh, <laughs> we are going to be reading from the book of John, the ninth chapter, finishing up the ninth chapter today. And just as a refresher for all of us, um, Jesus comes upon a blind man and he is asked, is this the result of this man's sin or his parents? And this uh, reminds us that people are always looking at ailments or disease or sicknesses as some type of sin or doing wrong or judgment or karma or something like that. It still happens today. Yet Jesus says it's not anybody that has sinned. It is so God's glory can be revealed. And Jesus then heals the blind man. The man gets hauled into church court and he is interrogated. Next, his parents are questioned. And then the man is re-interrogated. Along the day, the questions the healing, the reactions, the hatred and vitriol of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and people, and all of these emotions are going on, uh, ripen the man that was formerly blind's heart to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. And that's what we're going to read about now. So John chapter 9, verse 35 through 41. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see your guilt remains. Yeah, that's exactly what uh, has happened here. We believe this as the truth, the true word of God, and we accept it as such. And so we immediately jump in verse 35 after being cast out of an interrogation room because the people who are questioning him are just upset at him. They can't bring Jesus up on charges. That frustrates them. Uh, they can't get a false testimony from this formerly blind man against Jesus in order to arrest him. And so they want nothing more to do with him. They cast him out and Jesus immediately comes and finds the man and asks him, do you believe? So I have a question for you. What is belief? What does it mean to believe or to have belief. Like when I say, I believe blank, is it a physical or tangible something that I can hold on to? Is belief something that I can see with my eyes? Is belief just something that I speak with my mouth? What is belief? What is the overall uh, meaning behind this word? Because we can write a definition but that doesn't really fully give us the concept of what belief is. So what does it mean to believe? I'd say belief is putting your faith in someone or something and trusting that it's going to happen. You believe it's going to happen. You put your faith in it and you trust that it's going to do what you, it said it was going to do. Mm -hmm. And with that, you believe that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe. <laughs> that's what I, I believe. believe. That's what I believe. <laughs> I believe. 
<laughs> Anybody else? Believe is like a child, like a child believe his father, like just blindly follow what whatever his father do and. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anything else? Confidence. Confidence. Confidence in. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Confidence. Well, I kind of anticipated Xavier's uh, definition <laughs> because I figured somebody would come up with one similar, and so that's why I have the next question, which is, what is faith? <laughs> and again, let's go back through that. When I say I have faith in my father, or I have faith in. Santa Claus, or I have faith in... You have faith in Santa Claus? Well, you know, I'm just saying, if I believe in Santa Claus, I therefore have faith in him? You do? No, I'm saying if I do, then therefore I have faith in him? No. No. (laughs) Okay. Because you have the faith to and believe that he's going to come and bring you presents. Sure, exactly. So when I say I have faith... Is this a physically measurable substance? Is faith something I can see? Is faith merely my words? Or is faith my reaction? Is faith something that I take a stand on? Is faith an ethic or a character issue? What is what is faith? Too many questions. No, that's my description. Not too many questions. It's just my description. <laughs> but, good, but good point. What is faith? Being loyal. Being loyal. Faith is also a lot of trust. And honestly, mm, no, just trust and honesty has got a lot to do with faith. Because faith and belief intertwine, so they're all—they're really similar. They are really similar. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Is it easy for me to blindly follow somebody or blindly give belief or blindly give faith on something? Because we have to be convinced that they're right and then we'll follow after them. Correct. So does this only come with knowledge or does this come with an array of different perspectives? Like, for instance, I believe on Jesus because a person I respect believes in Jesus or I believe in Jesus because he did something for me or I believe in Jesus because he appeared to me or I believe in Jesus because God's word tells me to and I that's enough for me. It says so in the Bible, so therefore I believe. Or it can be a combination of all of these things plus other things. Right. I mean, belief is definitely, I think, the trust and the confidence in. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm-hmm. So having faith that God existed, having faith that that it will come to pass because it cannot be seen. So that ties in with belief. In order to have faith, you have to have belief. And, and hope. Believing, yeah. And trust. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason I bring this up so adamantly or um, am trying to really drill into the meaning behind belief and faith is because here at the table sits my children I don't want them to believe on Jesus just because Matt believes in Jesus or because Blair believes in Jesus. I want their faith, I want their belief to be something that is theirs personally, that they have grabbed a hold of. And it's no different for any of my friends or for any of my family. That doesn't mean I go and pressure uh, people because I believe something, therefore I hold it over their head or I say, you don't believe? How dare you? You should believe because I believe. Like I can't, that doesn't create faith whenever I'm mean like that or whenever I am uh, manipulative or whenever I'm pressuring somebody to believe something just because I had this experience. 
Belief has to be something that is birthed within inside of a person and then becomes evident, as Blair was bringing up Hebrews 11.1, 1, becomes evident as a result of the faith that they continue to practice. So it's my hope and my trust that Addison, Xavier, Mallory, Aisha will be in faith in Christ because Christ is real to them, just as he's real to this former blind man. So this man is asked, do you believe? Will your faith be in the Son of Man? This is an invitation. Jesus is offering an invitation in the form of a question. For instance, will you come to my house for lunch? Will you celebrate my birthday with me? Do you want to play a card game like Rummy with me? These are all invitations. They're not complex, but they're just questions that are asked. Would you like to be a part of my life? Would you like to be with me? And it's an invitation to join into my family. And I then have an answer that I get to give or I must give. My answer could be an excuse. No, I have work. No, I have to care for my children. No, I don't want to. Or my response can be yes. Yes, I will come to your house for lunch. Yes, I will celebrate your birthday with you. Yes, I will play a card game uh, with you. These are, these are the ways of invitation that we get asked so often. And it points me to another time when Jesus is speaking. Uh, he's speaking in a parable. And in this parable, he says this, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king giving a wedding feast for his son. And his servants uh, to call all those who are invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. And again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted calf have been slaughtered and everything's ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized the servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. That's in Matthew chapter 22, verses 2 through 6. And Jesus is telling this parable, stating or helping us to recognize the fact that when we are asked to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, we have one of these reactions because later on the servants go out further in uh, Matthew 22, uh, 7, 8, and 9, and they invite everyone that wasn't already invited to come into the house and have a feast with them. And that's what... Jesus wants to have people fill his house. He's having a wedding feast. He's preparing a place for us. It's called heaven. And in that place, he wants us to all come. Yet there's many people in this world that have created idols for themselves, or they have created a way of work is more important, or money is more important, or my children are more important, or my animals are more important. And so, God, you're just not that important to me. And what I want instead is to serve these other things. And so God then says, okay, I'm going to invite others to come take your place. And that's exactly who the blind man is in this moment. The blind man is the one that Jesus is coming to and saying, do you believe in the son of man? And the blind man says, who is he, sir? And he says, you are speaking with him. It is I who is the son of man. I am Jesus. I am God. I am God in flesh incarnate. And which brings us to point number two, which is that the blind, former blind man says, Lord, I believe. But did you notice it doesn't just stop there? 
He doesn't just say, Lord, I believe. He does something else on top of it. He worships him. He worships him. That's exactly right. I've come in contact with people who say Jesus was just a good teacher and he was just a prophet. That he never attributed himself equal with God. And he never allowed somebody to worship him. I've heard people say that before. I've heard people say that Jesus never said these things because he was just a good teacher and all pathways lead to God. All paths. So if you're Hindu or if you're Muslim or if you're Sikh or if you're Zoroastrian or if you're Buddhist or if you're atheist, if you change your belief from atheism to believe in a God, it doesn't matter which one uh, because all pathways lead to, to God. That's a false statement. That's not held true. And usually their backup to the reason why they believe that way is because they say Jesus was only a good teacher. He never ascribed himself, never believed himself to be God. The answer to that is uh, that's false. John 9, 38 says, no, Jesus counted himself equal with God. And the blind man, when he said, Lord, I believe, worshiped Jesus. Did Jesus stop him from worshiping him? No. No. Jesus allowed him to worship him. So we have to be cautious and we have to remember these portions of scripture. Uh, I also, just for anybody out there that's listening that maybe even doubt this, every single version of the Bible, I went through 30 versions of the Bible, even a couple of uh, silly ones like the message or the, uh, what's the new one that's out now? The Passion. Uh, the Passion. And I even looked in another one like called The Vine or something like that or The Vision or something. Anyways, they even say that the man said, I, but Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So even a paraphrase is bringing that out of the scripture. I don't have to speak Hebrew or Greek, the original text here, because if every version of the Bible is in agreement with what this says, then we know that Jesus allowed this man to worship him. Now to continue on that with the belief side of things, Jesus didn't then give him a thousand things that he had to do in order to go to heaven. Jesus didn't then say to the man, okay, good, you believe. Now, when you pray, you need to face this direction and you need to say this prayer in order to follow me and be my disciple. And Jesus also didn't say to him, get rid of all your family, get rid of all your friends, get rid of all your acquaintances and only be friends with people who are disciples of mine. Those words didn't come out of Jesus's heart. However, when we attend some churches, when we're around some Christian people, they seem to think that this is the way we're supposed to react. They think because their man-made religion, religious model has created things to be more complex than the simplicity of what Jesus wanted, they teach us these things of, you have to pray this way. You have to come to me if you're having a problem or if you're having a sin. You need to get rid of this friend because this friend, uh, you're now a Christian, so you can no longer hang out with this person. Or you need to leave your family because your family is a bad influence on you. Jesus never said anything like that ever in scripture. So why do we think that this is something that we can do? Yes. You need to leave your conscience because it's a bad influence on you. Leave your conscience because it's a bad influence on you. What is, what is going on? What is man really trying to do when he tells someone who has newly come to a relationship with Jesus? And we hear these words all the time in the 20th and now the 21st century. Christianity is not about a religion. It's about a relationship. 
Well, then why is my relationship dependent on what you think of me and not what Jesus thinks of me? Because man wants power. Elaborate on that. All men want power, money, or all this other stuff. A lot of people do. And they're not willing to let that power and glory go to God. Instead, they want to force people into a bubble and control them. That way they have the control over everything. And so they take what Jesus has said and perverted it and twisted it to fit what they want. That way they have the power yeah. and control over humans. Yeah. Because they don't want God to be in control. They want to be in control over everybody. Right. Which sounds kind of villainous. It sounds satanic. It sounds really satanic. Why does it sound so similar to something that Satan would do? Because we're all born in sin. Because we are born in sin. And these teachers aren't willing to give up everything to God and teach what he wants us to teach. Instead, they say they believe in God mm. and teach whatever they want to teach and make scripture fit like what they want. Just like the devil did whenever he tempted Jesus in sure. the desert. Because he had such pride inside of him and egoism inside of him that the simplicity of what Jesus says to us, believe on me and you will be saved, gets cloudy mm. when man enters the picture and says okay yeah you, you got to do that but then you also have to do this and this and this and this and this also they overcomplicate the simplicity of god yes absolutely perfectly said perfectly said um jesus just simply says believe in other places he tells people to follow in other places he says honor each other it's, an, it's become an issue hasn't it honoring people that's true. Like with the whole mask situation, for instance, I had somebody send me an email and they asked, what do you think the stand on masks should be? And I said, well, that's a pretty simple one. Like if I'm supposed to honor my brother and respect them and care for them and care for their needs and wearing a mask prevents the spread of COVID-19, or at least it slows it down a little bit, then I have no reason to claim my rights in quotes to not wear a mask because if i really love my neighbor i'm gonna wear a mask if i really love my neighbor i'm gonna wash my hands if i really love my neighbor i'm gonna socially distance from them especially during a time like this this is not something that i need to overcomplicate and then throw my rights in if jesus threw his rights in the ring he would have never gone to the cross and so we need to be very cautious. And this is just kind of like my own little soapbox moment here of standing up and saying, shame on us as Christians for trying to demand our rights for something that we have no business demanding rights in. Our rights deserve death. Our rights deserve the cross. Our rights deserve hell. Our rights deserve the grave. Our rights don't deserve to be able to say, I don't have to wear a mask because it's uncomfortable or because it makes me feel silly or some other reason. No, our rights have no business in this. This, is, this isn't an issue that we need to die on a field over. This is a situation where we need to respect and honor our brothers and sisters. Man likes to complicate things. Others, in other places, Jesus says, like I was, uh, just to refresh, Jesus says, believe, Jesus says, follow, Jesus says, honor, Jesus says, be content with what you have and don't covet what other people have. These aren't very big issues. 
These aren't very complicated things, but yet we make them so complicated because we want to do things and make them into formulas so that that way we can make quotes like this. Live your best life now. How to keep a smile on your face and truly be happy. I'm right, you're wrong, nah, 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 nah. Like those are the kinds of things that we like to stand on. We like to say, I'm right, you're wrong. I win, I win the argument. And that's where we put all of our investment in, isn't it? We say, I'm so invested in being right and I am going to shame everybody who does wrong. But that's not what Jesus does here at all. Go ahead, Xavier. Well, in doing that, you're being, you're wrong. <laughs> that is the wrong attitude to do it. And so them saying they're right and bragging about it and all that other stuff is the wrong way for them trying to do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus is very simple. It's like the lunch invitation, the first example that I gave. You're invited to lunch. Do you want to come over for lunch? Yes. Here's the date. Here's the time. Great. The date comes. The time comes. I get in my vehicle or I find a way to get there. I go. I sit down. I talk. I eat. I enjoy. I'm filled. It's not complicated. And the same is true with the invitation that Jesus is giving. He's saying, I'm telling you, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man can come to the Father. No man can get into heaven except through me. Will you, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you, will you have faith? We have the op option. Yes. Okay, yes, I follow. I, I get to talk with him. I, I have the opportunity to eat with him, eat of the things that he's provided for me. I get to enjoy and I'm filled. And then as a result of this meeting, this invitation, Jesus gives a second invitation. He says, now go and invite others to come to the next time. And we go and we invite others to the next time. We bring them with us. It's not complicated. We, we, we knock on the door. We, we come in, we sit down, we eat, we talk, we enjoy, and we're filled. It's not a complicated issue, but yet we like to make it so complicated. That is what church is. Church is not a building. Church is not a specific location or physical uh, area of our community. Church is a group of people gathered together, eating the word of God and being filled. Invitations to follow other gods will be rejected. Now my daughter is eating her uh, Bible over here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Invitations to other gods will come. Those are the ones we reject. Those are the ones that we say no to. We don't say no to Jesus. We say no to these other gods. Not all paths lead to the same location. If they did, no one would ever get lost. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. But the fact is, is this is a complicated world. Jesus knew that. And so he, because he created the world. Mm -hmm. And so he made things simple so we wouldn't get confused. But yet the flashy lights and the beautiful fragrances and the mm -hmm. showy uh, um, people that all of a sudden our lustful eyes desire what they, who they are, what they are, or what they have. Those draw all of our attention. So Jesus kept it real simple. And he says, do you believe? 
Okay, you're with me then. See, we're together. Done. It's all done. I, t- I took care of everything for you. It's now like, let's just walk together. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that life is all of a sudden going to become simple? No. No. Does that mean that all of a sudden life is going to be free of pain and problems and suffering? No. No. It just means that now I have somebody to go through this life with. Yeah. And he just so happens to be the one who created it all in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. There's this really old, that's not that old, but it's really like cheesy movie, Joe versus the Volcano. It's yeah, yeah, Tom yeah. Hanks. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> towards the end of the movie, him and the girl that goes with them to the volcano, they're going to get married before they jump into it. And the chief of the island says, you love him? You love her? Okay, you're married. Like, that's how simple it is. Yeah. You love each other? You follow after Christ? Okay. There, you're a believer in Christ. Done. Done. <laughs> now go through life together. Right. Right. And invite other people to be a part of it. Exactly. Point number three is, are we also blind? There were some Pharisees that were nearby. And Jesus, they address Jesus, and Jesus then has a conversation with them. And I cannot find a commentator. I looked through the week to try and find a commentator that wasn't hating on the Pharisees here, but I didn't. And it confuses me because this goes back to the the part where I was talking about earlier, where I was saying that we're supposed to honor each other. And yet I can't find a commentator that would honor these Pharisees. Because the way I see the situation playing out in my mind is I see a man who is in court. He's getting interrogated by people. They're starting to hate on him and they all turn from him and kick them out of their presence. And it, it's, it has me thinking of the numerous times that I've seen a group of people get into an argument. The group chooses one person to pick on. That person is then kicked out of the group. And yet there's people that still stay with that one person. And who are those people that usually stay with that one person that everybody was picking on earlier? Friends. Friends, people who are loyal. Yeah. People who maybe even believe that what he was saying was accurate, but they didn't have the guts to stand up to the mob and say, hey, there's nothing wrong. This guy is speaking the truth here. I agree with what he says. Mm -hmm. Like those are the people that are still staying around. And that's the situation we have here with these Pharisees is the blind man, the former blind man is kicked out of, he's kicked out of this, um, this room. And as he's kicked out of this room where they've been interrogating him, all of a sudden uh, Jesus comes to him and there's a few Pharisees still there and they hear what Jesus says to the man. They watch the man worship Jesus. And then they say, what about us, Jesus? Are, are we blind? And so there's a conversation that starts, which I'd like to say is like the same invitation that the blind man received from Jesus. Now, now follow me here just a little bit, because what happens is, is Jesus, they they come to Jesus and Jesus tells them, look, you're not perfect. And if you think that you are, if you're asking me, am I blind? And yet you think that you can see, then what you're doing is you're lost in your blindness. You're still lost in your blindness. And the, then he gives an invitation. Listen, your guilt is still there. Your guilt remains. And so what the invitation looks like is something like this. My wife says, Matt, you have a bad attitude. I have a bad attitude. What are you talking about? How do I have a bad attitude? That's my reaction. But what my wife is saying to me is, Matt, you have a bad attitude. I'm inviting you. I'm letting you know what I'm seeing. 
And I'm inviting you to change your attitude, to change your perspective on life, to change what you're doing, to change the way you are right now. She's not trying to pick on me and, and, and make things worse in my life and make things like irritable and problematic. What my wife is saying is she's saying, I'm going to point this out to you so that, that way you have an opportunity to change. So my wife is inviting me to change something about what I've, I am doing or what my attitude is in that moment. And Jesus is doing the same thing with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Basically what he's doing is he's saying, you think your knowledge is what's going to get you into heaven. You think because of the regiment you do, you think because of the rituals that you do, that because I, you heard me speak to this blind man and reveal that I am God and you watch this man worship me, you think that now all of a sudden your eyes are opened because of the knowledge you have. That's not true. You're still blind because it's not knowledge that all of a sudden gives you a relationship with Jesus. Knowledge in and of itself doesn't create Christians, does it? No. And so some of us today, we have blindly followed people because the crowd does, because they have so many followers on Instagram or Facebook, because it's what's on TV or because it's what's on Netflix or Hulu or Hotstar or because it's it's what all my friends are talking about. And we, and we all of a sudden start believing the things that are said on music, uh, lyrics, TV programs, movies. Uh, we start believing those things as if they're 100% accurate because a multitude of people are following after them. And every once in a while, we'll feel like an outsider because I don't believe in something that's a classic. I believe in something that was very little watched and what the people said in that was true. And so I'm different from all of society, but yet you're still following after a false hope or a false prophet, if you will. And we think that it's our knowledge that all of a sudden is going to gain us acceptance, power, money, and our lusts so that that way we can be what we think is fulfilled. And yet that is still blindness, complete blindness. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody at all. And I know I hate it whenever we set prerequisites like that, but please follow along with what I'm saying. This past week, I was driving out. I came across four Hindu Babas and all of them were blind. Even the lead one was blind and I observed them run into a truck because they couldn't see it. And as they walked up, they hit the truck, the front first man hit the truck and then he put it with his face. Then he put his hands up around and felt around it. And then he started walking. As he kept on walking, I then witnessed or observed a man drive up in a car, get out of the car and go to offer the man money. And the man, again, he's blind. He doesn't know what's going on. The man's trying to speak to him and say, here, I'm going to give you money as an offering because I want to follow you, a blind man who's leading other blind man, men. But I'm educated. I'm knowledgeable. I'm going to give you money because maybe you in turn will give me some kind of blessing. The blind man's reaction, the lead blind man's reaction was one of defense. He was worried that this man was trying to hurt him. He was afraid that this man was trying to rob him, and he was afraid that this man would um, hurt his friends as well. So it was a transaction that took 
about three or four minutes as I'm sitting there watching this transaction transpire, I'm watching uh, them try the, this wealthy, educated, knowledgeable man convince these blind men that he is there to try and help them. And as I'm watching this, I took a picture and I thought, which one is really blind or are all five of these men blind? Because a blind man leading a blind man is eventually going to fall in a pit, just like they ran into that truck. But yet the knowledgeable guy, he's really not any better off than the blind men were. And so what we need is we don't need to continue to blindly follow society, the news, what people like, what people think is important on social media. What we need to do is we need to seek out the truth. And who does the truth come from? Where is ultimate knowledge at? God's word, the Bible. It's it's in God's word or in the Bible. And so there's a few verses that I wanted to just kind of look at. Mallory's going to read for us in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Yeah. And Blair's going to read for us Proverbs 1, 24 through 31. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hands and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they have hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. And Mallory is going to read Proverbs nineteen twenty-seven. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Okay, and Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 13 and 14. Aisha? Now all has been here. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden things, whether it's good or evil. And Isaiah 11 one through five, Xavier. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But the righteous he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall beat the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Wonderful. Thank you guys for reading those scriptures for us that give us a focus of how we can so easily change and pervert our ways, thinking that we're following after wisdom and knowledge and it just be man's wisdom and knowledge, and it ends up leaving, leading to destruction. Yet the fear of the Lord, as the very first 
scripture Mallory read is the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. These are to help us, guide us, bring us into a, a studied, not just check our brain at the door, but continue to contemplate and meditate and continue to gain knowledge of whom God is so that that way we are continuing to be called sons of God. Let us continue to seek God in reverential fear. Let us gain knowledge to prove him and not prove our own pride and ego. Let us believe answering the invitation of Christ for ourselves. And may we remove the idols that we have placed on altars of our lives. May we cling to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And may we know the blood of Jesus to wash away our sins and make us whole. May we be called sons of God. Mallory, will you pray? Thank you, Jesus, for this day and for every single day and that the coronavirus outbreak will stop mm. and that everybody will stay safe and always wash their hands. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. amen.